Hi, this is Nahum Siegel. Welcome to a brand new program that we call JM Rewind. JM Rewind, during this hour, gives us an opportunity to hear some of the interviews conducted on JM and the AM over the last few weeks. Uh, we'll begin this week with a, an interview done on Labor Day. Simon Jacob, our wonderful friend, visited JM and the AM on the day that he and his family were set to move to Israel to make Aliyah. And this was the conversation we had with Simon Jacob at JM in the AM. It is Labor Day morning here at JM in the AM. And uh, earlier I mentioned that this radio broadcast on this Labor Day 2016 on the 2nd of Elul is dedicated to uh, Barry and Simon Jacob of West Orange, New Jersey. Not for long, but of West Orange, New Jersey. And uh, then, lo and behold, uh, to my surprise, who walks into the JM in the AM headquarters here in Jersey City, the one and only... Simon Jacob, Boker Tov. Simon, welcome back to JM in the AM. Boker Tov, Boker Tov. Shalom Bracha. Uh, why did we dedicate today's show to you and your wonderful wife? And the uh, answer is, of course, that because today is the official day that the Jacob family, and not to scare anybody, you won't see Simon again because he'll be back and forth, but today is the official day that the Jacob family makes Aliyah, actually moves to Israel and uh, instead of their uh, their uh, instead of their roots most of the time being in New Jersey, their roots most of the time will be in the city of Yerushalayim. Must be an amazing feeling for you today. Yeah, it's it it is totally amazing. Um, it's uh, there's some sadness obviously in it, but we've this is only a dream of about uh, 50 years for me <laughs> uh, and my wife. Ever since we got married, I've been on a five year you know, uh, renewal plan where I promised her that within five years we'd make Aliyah. And she's been uh, putting up with me all along for this. Um, so, uh, you know, my mom is here in, in the U.S. Um, and I know she would love to make Aliyah with us. But unfortunately, at the moment, it's not uh, medically practical for her to do so. Um, and I certainly have uh, Sibs who are here in the United States, uh, and nieces and nephews, and actually a son um, with a bunch of kids uh, here. So um, the still we're, we still have a pretty big presence and a big, pretty big footprint in the United States, but um, the desire has always been to move to Eretz Yisrael and, uh, and to be in Yerushalayim. Are so any of these relatives can't. going to be at the airport today, or is it going to be a very low-key uh, flight to Israel? I, I think it's going to be a, a low-key flight, and actually the reason I'm here is because um, I really wanted to be with you on the plane going <laughs> to Eretz Yisrael, um, but uh, since that couldn't be arranged, I figured I'd at least be here. In I mean, the, the flight is soon. Are you are you finished packing? Like, uh, is there anything uh, that's pseudo pseudo finished? <laughs> anything uh, that needs to be done still? Or? Always, there's always <laughs> things at the last minute. I was shocked when I saw you at the front door. <laughs> no, there's always things that need to be done. Um, I, you know, I'm, a, I'm, I feel a little bit like a faker because I'm going to be coming back and forth commuting right. for work. So, but like I, I said, your, 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 you know, mo- yeah. your footprint, so to speak, is now going to be in your Shalayim instead of here in yeah, New Jersey. Totally, totally. Unbelievable. Simon Jacob is here. You mentioned to me, and I meant to mention to our audience that today begins Slichot for the Sparta community. Wow. It's so great. The second of so Elul amazing. is the day it all starts. So I came, I came here from Slichot, fresh from Slichot, uh, to the show, and, um, and, uh, Saw a whole bunch of pictures on the WhatsApp this morning from my grandchildren in who Israel. got up in, in Israel who got up at three o'clock in the morning because they were so excited about going to Slichot, uh, and they they 
they all lined up with their parents to, to go to Slichot this morning. So how they got them to do that, I have no idea. But <laughs> Baruch Hashem, it's, uh, it's really amazing. They're all and, excited. And you said to me that as much as we Ashkenazim have trouble with the week, or in, in this year's case, I think it's a week and a couple of days of Slichot before Rosh Hashanah, and then, of course, Slichot during the Aseret you made Shuvah. You said that even though you have an extra three weeks of Slichot, you would not give it up for anything. Ever, ever. It is the... It is so beautiful. I, if I had to say Ashkenazi Slichot, I don't know if I ever would, to be <laughs> honest. The Sephardi Slichot are sung, and it's uh, interactive around the room, and it is just amazing. In fact, I try to go at least um, every year during Elul to Tzfat, to the Abu Hav Synagogue, because I, I believe that that's kind of the Rolls Royce of Slichot in the world. Um, and, and you'll have it's your chance. And I'm gonna, right. Yeah, Baruch Hashem, I'm right. going to be there. So I'm looking forward to uh, being able to do that this year again. There you go. So, thank God. Pretty amazing. So a 50-year dream comes true finally, huh? Yep. Yeah. I guess to everybody out there, we should say just be patient. Or don't be too patient. But, <laughs> right, you wouldn't recommend this method. <laughs> I, no, I, yeah, Baruch Hashem. You should be able to make the choice to go rather than be forced to go. So, please, God, I'm, I'm happy to be able to make the choice. The well, other thing yeah. is that it's definitely, you know, I, I've seen a lot of people go to Israel and they tell me that it's bittersweet because you kind of make a choice that affects a whole bunch of other people. Right. And a lot of people, like, we have a lot of guests for Shabbat and, and people who come and people who live with us and stay with us and what have you. And um, and just the community as a whole, we we have a an incredibly loving community in West Orange that we've had a connection with for so long. And uh, and we adore all the people there. And um, And when you make this choice to kind of separate and go... Everybody kind of looks at you um, like, you know, how can you do this to us? And, and it's really hard. It's a really hard decision um, to, to make because of that. And I can see why people end up not ever making the decision to make Aliyah. But Baruch Hashem, we're, we're hopeful and we're looking forward to seeing them all in Israel. Well, I so. wish you a Shana Tovah Metukah. Please, God. You're one of those people and your whole family are among those people who continue to believe in what we do and have been amazing friends yeah, for us. 100%. So I thank you for that. This has been a great surprise that we're able to give you this send-off here toward the end of the show. Pleasure. Really a pleasure. Pleasure to be here. I, I, you do so much for so many people. Um, I've only gotten to see a little, little uh, nibble of all of the things that um, the Nahum Siegel Network does as a whole. Um, it's been incredible. I'm Looking forward to hopefully uh, to visit with you in um, in Venice, Bezrat and then also in Eretz Yisrael. Uh, you've got a you've got a pretty big footprint this year in Eretz Yisrael yourself, <laughs> so you've got some reason to uh, to be there a lot, and I'm looking forward to uh, help with that. So please, God. Thank you, Simon. My best to the entire family. Thank you. Toda, toda. On both toda. sides and, of and the ocean. I, shout out to Grandma Doreen Jacob, who I know is listening and is sad, but incredibly happy about us uh, making the move. Um, I know she's dreamed about doing it. We're immigrants. We, she's, you know, I, I was born in Singapore. My father's from India. My mother's from England. We've traveled all over. We almost settled in Australia. We almost settled in England. We almost settled in India. And we finally settled here in the United States, and it's been an incredible land of opportunity for us, and it's been wonderful, and, and it's just been an incredible country. But our hearts have always been directed towards Eretz Yisrael. My 
my father, uh, my mother actually picked out this house in Jerusalem. And, um, and my father uh, bought it sight unseen. When he saw it, he was not too happy at the beginning because it was really a, a bit of a wreck. Um, but, you know, he realized that when you look out the windows, we actually look out the windows and can see the uh, homot, see the walls of the old city. So it's kind of like Disney World there. Hmm. And um, the thing that's amazing is that because of that, Every one of uh, my father's children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren are, um, are when they see the homot, the walls, they know they're home. That's for sure. God bless Special. you, Simon. Baruch Hashem. God Thank bless. you very much. Thank you for allowing me to say uh, shalom, which is really, truly a shalom, hello and goodbye um, in many ways, but we look forward. We look forward to sharing with you in Eretz Yisrael. Vezrat Hashem. Nisiatova. Toda, toda. Shalom Our best to the entire family. More coming up. You're listening to JM in the AM. That was our conversation with Simon Jacob on Labor Day at JM in the AM on the day that he and his family were set to make Aliyah. More coming up here at JM Rewind. First, this offering from Avram Freed. Vai <laughs> Ribbono ai lumi mio dati io dati io dati Chi in ni ve io trove io trove io de rouleva Chi in ni ve io trove io trove io de rouleva Cachoimer cachoimer beyad beyad hai oitzai I Ich 
Conversation last week with Rabbi Dov Lipman. Rabbi Lipman is a former member of Knesset, one of the very few Americans, uh, American born people, to serve in the Israeli Knesset. And he joined us in advance of his Nefesh Benefesh uh, speaking tour here in the United States. It's my conversation with Rabbi Dov Lipman here on JM Rewind. Rabbi Dov Lipman is with us uh, live via telephone. Rabbi Lipman was elected to the uh, 19th Knesset back in 2013, becoming the first U.S.-born member of Knesset in three decades. Uh, Nefesh Benefesh presents Behind the Scenes in the Knesset, My Life in Israel with Rabbi Dov Lipman, starting September the 11th, that's a Sunday through the 17th, taking place in New York, New Jersey, and Los Angeles. He speaks 
at OF Tzedek OZ on the Upper West Side this coming Sunday night. Beth Aaron and Teaneck on Monday night, September the 12th. Young Israel Jamaica Estates Tuesday the 13th, and he heads to L.A. Uh, for a couple of speaking engagements and wraps up in Sherman Oaks on Sunday night, September the 18th. Rabbi Dove Lipman, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you, Nachum. It's great to be back with you. I appreciate that. I know it may be difficult to uh, put this in a sentence or two, but as you look back at your time in the Knesset, is it generally good memories, complicated memories, or much of both? <laughs> it's, it's a lot of both, uh, but, but even the complications are good memories, meaning the fact that you have complications sitting in a parliament in Israel, our own parliament, a place where we can determine our future. Even when it's complicated, you have to take a step back and say, Oh my goodness, what amazing times we live in. What a blessing uh, we have that we can be in this kind of uh, place and, and, and have this kind of impact and influence. So I have to say that all around, if you look at the package together, uh, it was a fantastic experience, and I'm looking forward to going back. The, um, you know, it's interesting. If we would go back to some of the conversations we had both on and off the air when you first became a member of Knesset, you had... You had amazing dreams, uh, especially the ones that involved bridging gaps and trying to unite. And we know how important Jewish unity is. It may not be a more important topic, frankly, uh, internationally for our community than that. Um, we know how hard you work to try to unite different factions and you know people who come from different places. And I don't just mean geographic places, if you know what I mean. Was it a successful effort? Did you feel you made progress in a very difficult environment to unify people? There was a significant progress, and uh, you know, people ask me sometimes in terms of what what do I think we accomplished during the two years that I was in Knesset. There's no doubt the number one accomplishment, uh, which was an honor for me to be part of. I was the head of the Knesset task force to help Haredim go to work, and we set up projects throughout Israel to help Haredim get training and to actually find jobs. And thousands of young men uh, were able to join the workforce because of that. And joining the workforce doesn't only mean they actually can support their families with dignity. It's actually the first place where they're really meeting secular Israel and vice versa. Secular Israel is meeting them. And all the myths and stigmas that they've been told their whole lives become shattered from both sides. Uh, religious, the religious side realize secular people might live a different way of life but are, could be wonderful, wonderful people. And the secular side realizes that Haredim are not what they've been portrayed to be perhaps in the media or what they see in the Knesset. And they see that they're wonderful people and they can actually be friends with one another. And I saw how breaking down those barriers generates that unity. And Israel is ripe for this. We are 70, we're pushing 70 years old and it's time after decades of fighting with one another to try to see where can we have interface with one another and actually get to understand uh, one another. And that, without a doubt, uh, was our greatest accomplishment and something which gave me great hope for the future in terms of where we can go with all of this. Yeah, some of the veterans out there uh, who remember the quote-unquote you know, old days might even argue that, with that, that we're already at a point in terms of being unified and understanding other sides and other positions you know, that were in much better shape than the way things were, I don't know, 60, 70 80 years ago, but as you just mentioned, there's still a lot of work to be done, and whatever we can do to make progress in this area, it's so important to do so. And, and, I, and, I, actually think, and I actually think that English speakers in particular uh, can play a really significant role here, because the whole idea of, of not 
viewing populations, you know, in, in terms of just their boxes. I think we're able to look beyond that much more naturally uh, than they can in Israel. And uh, I hear repeatedly in Israel that people are so thankful for what they view as a refreshing perspective uh, in terms of how we can coexist and, and have tolerance for one another, and that's something which we really bring. It doesn't have to be on a Knesset level, it could be on a neighborhood level or a city level that English speakers can make a real impact when it comes to this area. And I can't imagine that when you embarked on the employment program, for instance, that you're, you know, at the top of the agenda was, you know, unifying people. I assume that was just a pleasant uh, byproduct of the whole effort. It was, for sure. I mean, I always knew that it could generate that kind of result and, and was confident. I'll just give you one example. One CEO who we had to convince to hire Haridim. It's difficult sometimes for them right. to open their companies to people who they're not sure what kind of pressures will they put on them. Will they make demands about the women? Will they make demands about the kitchen? And we reassure them that generally when Haridim want to go to work, they want to be part of society, and they're not looking to bring these kinds of demands. He contacted me and he told me that within his company, a Haredi from a mainstream Haredi city was making a bar mitzvah and invited all the company to come, including the secular people. No demands how they dress, no demands from them whatsoever. And that, for those who understand the Haredi community, that's an incredibly bold step to just open the, 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 the hall in your community for secular people to come in. And then he said the flip side happened, the opposite as well. One of the chilonim, one of the secular people in the company, was getting married and asked two belts chasidim from the company to be the witnesses hmm. uh, at, at his wedding. And again, I don't want to suggest that we've reached utopia, we've <laughs> right. we reached a point where all is well, but it certainly gives you a glimpse of what can happen when you actually successfully break down that barrier and they come together yeah nothing like meeting people and interacting with them i mean i've, I've quoted shlomo kalbach a million times on this topic he always said if he just had an opportunity to go and meet everybody then you know people would get along so much better and uh and it's true when you have personal interaction when it's you know generally pleasant etc and people make an effort to make sure it's pleasant uh then only great things can come from it it's, a, it's an important and by the way, and by, and by the way Nahum, that's something which happens in the Knesset as well, and people don't realize. Wait a second! Wait a wait a second, Rabbi Lipman. <laughs> you can't possibly suggest on public airwaves that there's that there's, <laughs> that there's an atmosphere of calm and camaraderie in the Knesset. Come on! <laughs> you would not believe. You would not believe some of the friendships that exist there. When I say friendships, I mean somebody from the far left Meretz party with somebody in the far right Jewish Home party, and in the plenum itself, you will see them at each other's throats, and outside of that room, they are the best of friends on the deepest of levels. Uh, and these were things which I saw, and it taught me a lesson, because I would read uh, the newspaper before I was in the Knesset and see what people said about whatever the issue was, and say to myself, how is this person a Jew? How are they a Zionist? And take it to the personal level. And then I came to the Knesset, and I realized that's just not the case. There's politics. And we have ideological disagreements, and there's a lot of showboating as well, or, or show in the Knesset itself. But behind the scenes, there is so much more camaraderie and unity than people realize. And I think it's an important lesson for us to take to our communities as well, because I have no doubt that within schools and within schools uh, and, and federations, you have disagreements. And all too often, we let it go to the point of the personal as well. And I really learned in the Knesset, which is probably the epitome of, <laughs> of a place where we think there's a, a, a polarization, that it's just not the case. And when it's all said and done, we are one family, and we so, do have each other, so everybody, and we don't have to let it become personal. So everybody leaves the sharp tongue on the Knesset floor? 
I, I can't say everybody. <laughs> you also <laughs> learn in the Knesset not to ever say everybody, <laughs> but uh, hi, far higher percentages than, than your listeners could possibly imagine really do leave it on the floor. And I'll also say, even when it doesn't get to personal relationships, there's a lot of reaching out to other parties and uh, political adversaries in areas where you can agree with each other. So you can find someone who you really do disagree with and maybe you're not best of friends with, mm-hmm. but you are able to work together with them in areas where you agree. And that, there's a tremendous amount. Again, that's politics in general, right. but you really see it, I think, at a deeper level than you might see in other parliaments because we realize that we're, we're Jewish people in a Jewish state uh, living in this incredible time, and we have to work together to try to make things better. You've written a book about this experience already, or that's coming up, or, or what? The, the book is out. Uh, the book is out. It's called An American MK, and uh, behind the scenes of the 19th Knesset. It's how how long has it been out? Stories. How long has it been out? Uh, it's been out for a number of months. It's through Trafford Publishing, and uh, it's actually a website at AmericanMK.com, uh, and you can order the book there. And my goal in, in, in bringing these stories to the broader public is very much for people to realize um, that Olim, especially North American Jewish Olim, can really make a difference. And it doesn't have to be, I was fortunate to, to make it to the Knesset, and um, I know that it's not going to be the path that everybody takes, but every single immigrant uh, can make a difference and can absolutely uh, play a role in the development of the state of Israel. What, what greater uh, effort can there be for someone that to know that you're part of the development of this incredible thing called Israel? Unbelievable. Rabbi Dov Lipman is with us. He'll head to Los Angeles a week from today. Before that, he's in this area Sunday, this coming Sunday night at OZ, OF Tzedek on West 95th Street. Monday night, he'll be at Beth Aaron on Queen Anne Road in Teaneck. And Tuesday night, September 13th, next week at the Young Israel of Jamaica Estates before he heads to L.A. to wrap up the tour. Well, I guess you just explained it, but why don't I ask you directly uh, why Nefesh Benefesh is, in fact, presenting this uh, speaking tour? Yes, yeah, so there's no doubt that uh, you know if we if we talk about Aliyah in our times and especially North American Aliyah, you can't talk about that without bringing Nefesh Benefesh into the picture. And it's never been you know our ancestors have imagined that a time would come not only that we return to the land of Israel, but that there be an organization which helps you from A to Z from the moment you decide you want to make Aliyah till you uh, get to the plane till you arrive and even afterwards helping you uh, get settled, finding jobs, and always having someone to turn to. And I feel that uh, this organization wants people to understand that the incredible time is that we live in and that you really can find your place in Israel. And there's a lot of fear associated with making Aliyah, leaving family, will I have a community, uh, the language issues, culture issues, and part of what I'm going to try to convey in my story, and for those who are thinking about coming, uh, the presentation will be filled with behind-the-scenes stories uh, from the Knesset. It'll be entertaining, but also uh, hopefully educational. Uh, but part of the lesson is to realize that we, we can overcome those issues. Believe me, Hebrew was an obstacle for me. Believe me, the culture of the Knesset was an obstacle for me. I like to tell people that uh, you know, I interned in Congress when I was younger, and uh, one time somebody yelled, you lie, to the President of the United States, and it became a fiasco for months. And right. the Knesset is every five minutes. Uh, it's, a, it's just a different environment, and these are all barriers. But we're able to overcome those barriers, and we're able to make a difference. And uh, I have no doubt that Nefesh Benefesh would love to be faced with the problem of tens of thousands of North Americans who are uh, trying to make Aliyah and trying to deal with that challenge. And hopefully uh, the message can resonate uh, in terms of the difference that we can make. And I, I really believe with great passion that uh, my own personal belief is that you know, when we talk about all the challenges that we have in Israel in terms of de- demographics and internal strife, uh, 
the North American Jewish community can make a massive difference in all of this. And instead of uh, sitting back and, and, and you know, complaining about what's happening in Israel or worrying about what's happening in Israel, we can actually stand up and take part in it and, and try to make a real difference. And I hope that uh, people will be able to hear that message uh, through the stories and through my own personal story and also through the behind-the-scenes look at the Knesset, which I'll give in these presentations. It's a great message. All right, you're at Oav Tzedek on Sunday on the Upper West Side, Beth Aaron and Teaneck on Monday night, Tuesday night, the Young Israel Jamaica Estates, and you head to L.A. to wrap up the speaking engagement. It's Nefesh Benefesh's presentation of Rabbi Dov Lipman, Behind the Scenes in the Knesset, My Life in Israel. He will speak about all these issues and speak about his journey from New Oled to active player on the Israeli political scene. He was a member of Knesset beginning in 2013, the 19th Knesset of the State of Israel. I assume the, um, the speaking schedule is online somewhere? Yes, the Nefesh Benefesh has it. I've also been posting regularly on Facebook, and hopefully uh, the flyers are, are making the rounds. And I, I really look forward to uh, meeting people in all these communities and also giving time for questions. I have no doubt that people have questions about Israeli politics, about the Knesset, about the Aliyah, and uh, we'll open the floor. Uh, as I like to say, I went through the two election campaigns in Israel. Uh, there's no question that's too difficult or too personal uh, for me to be able to hear, and I will open the floor to that as well, and I really look forward to that conversation. Hey, by the way, Rabbi Lipman, I know you're an Israel baseball fan. You know that the uh, national team is playing here on the 22nd of September in Brooklyn? Not only am I an Israel baseball fan, I have the pleasure, you want to talk about Aliyah Dream, <laughs> of sitting back sitting back in a field of dreams in Petah Tikva, watching my son as the starting pitcher for the Israel national team <gasps> in the European Championships this past summer. So is he, uh, you is sit he... there, and I, and I have to tell you, standing there and watching them in their baseball uniforms, uh, hearing how Tikva played before the game, and then following you with the umpire saying play ball and watching your son pitching against Ukraine and Lithuania and Russia, uh, there's nothing with Israel across his chest. Uh, there's nothing like this, my friends. I mean, for Americans to see that combination, and I do hope that people People in the tri-state area will go cheer on uh, Team Israel in the qualifiers for the Israel baseball. Is, is, your, son, is your son is your son going to be in for that? He's not. Uh, you know, life in Israel is complex, and not only do you have baseball, but you also have yeshiva and army. <laughs> and uh, and I'm proud of the fact that my son had his place to play baseball, but is also recognizing that uh, during Elzman and Karen Biavne, a few months before he goes to the army, uh, that's not the time for him to be traveling to play baseball. Wow. But I guarantee you he'll be following the games. A lot of his good friends are on the team. All right, let him know that uh, we'll be there and we'll be cheering on his teammates. Amazing. Uh, Rabbi Lipman, uh, good speaking with you. Uh, good luck on the tour, and kudos to everybody at Nefesh Benefesh. You know, we consider both uh, Rabbi Fass and Tony Gelbart uh, Jewish 21st century heroes. I don't know if you know that. I don't know if you agree with me or not, but we put them in the category of 21st century heroes in the Jewish I, world. I, well, I can tell you this. I would not have made Aliyah or been able to make Aliyah without their help. So uh, they are national heroes in my mind, but also personal heroes in my mind, and the entire staff there and all the work they do to make it so simple to make Aliyah. I mean, obviously Aliyah is complicated, but the process uh, which would be so difficult on your own and also even financial help and uh, it is, once you're here lobbying in the Knesset, I worked in the Knesset together with them to try to make things better uh, for English-speaking Olim. Uh, it's, it's a fantastic organization and uh, and yes, I absolutely view them as heroes as well. Kolakavod, great speaking with you and good luck on the tour. Take care. We'll be in touch. Rabbi Dove Lippman here at JM in the AM. That was my conversation last week with Rabbi Dove Littman, former member of Knesset here on JM Rewind. We'll continue with a little bit of music from Mordechai Shapiro.
אלו מתוך שמחו, אלו אלו שמחו של מצוות. to JM Rewind with me, Nachum Siegel. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, Rabbi Sam Klibanoff and his wife from Livingston, New Jersey, stopped by to speak about the recent JNF journey that they took to Israel, a rabbi's trip that they found extremely interesting. Here is that conversation on this edition of JM Rewind. We have a couple of really wonderful guests in our studio this morning, Rabbi and Mrs. Klibanoff, who are very well known in the Livingston, New Jersey area, or by Klibanoff, the spiritual leader of Congregation Eitz Chaim in Livingston. And uh, they are uh, two of the most outspoken 
uh, cheerleaders of uh, JM and the AM and everything that we do in the world of radio. And recently we discovered that uh, Rabbi Klibanoff and his wife were part of a um, a group that we're a big fan of, and that's the JNF um, travel group to uh, Israel, a group of uh, rabbis that were invited to take part in a mission to discover more and more of what is going on in the Holy Land under the uh, under the leadership of the Jewish National Fund. Rabbi and Mrs. Klibanoff, welcome to JM in the AM. Thank you. Good morning. Great to be back. Great to see you. It was wonderful to see you in Israel. Yes, that always. That was pretty amazing. And here we are back on this side of the world. Uh, how does this all begin? JNF, I assume, would love to see both rabbinic and lay leadership visit as much as possible and go with them to see their special projects. And we've spent a lot of time on our network talking about the, the special projects that they're involved with there. Um, and, and then I guess that rabbis, with all these invitations on their desks, have to decide with whom they're going and why. What is the beginning of this whole process for this trip? So, Rabbi Zev Goldberg, a good friend, a, uh, a name you should remember, an up-and-coming rabbi. He's the rabbi of Young Israel Fort Lee, New Jersey. Huh. And Relatively he, new there, right? Yes, yeah. yes, yes, the last couple of years. Right. And he had this idea together with the JNF professional in Bergen County, Jocelyn Inglis. And he said, you know, they should make a rabbi's mission. JNF has never done a rabbi's mission. This was the very first. This is the inaugural mission. And if you're familiar with what they've done in the past, they have every type of mission you can imagine. Correct, correct. And they realized that, you know, we have to expose JNF more and more to the modern Orthodox community. So this was a mission for modern Orthodox rabbis, and it was just five of us. Rabbi Shalom Baum from Romer, from Ketra Torah. Right. Rabbi Andrew Markowitz from Rabbi Yudenshul in Fairlawn. Right. Rabbi Jeremy Donath from Fairlawn as well. Uh, Rabbi Goldberg and myself. And, of course, my beloved wife, who was the first Rebbitson participant in the Rabbi's <laughs> Conference. She'll so go down in history, <laughs> Absolutely. Huh? But she added a whole new dimension to the group, which was really outstanding. Um, what do they try to accomplish? Meaning, I mean, obviously they want you to you know, understand their cause and, and, and see, um, you know, and, and see firsthand uh, what it is that they're accomplishing. Um, but you know they have it's a limited number of days, right? There's a, there's only a certain number of days you're going to be there. How do they focus the trip? How do they focus the you know the different things I want you to see, and how do they do it? So to be honest, that for many of the rabbis, as much as we knew about JNF, we didn't know about JNF, and there was this running theme of oh wow, it's more than just trees and water, right. and they carefully they planned it for over a year, and they carefully executed four days showing us only some of which are very many as we learn of their special projects but basically making us fall in love with Israel all over again like we do every single time yeah. and now serving as ambassadors for JNF and going back to our communities and telling people you know you have to see this you got to see this you're gonna love this and that's exactly what they accomplished and what were some of those things what are some of the noteworthy um so my, sites that you my saw. I, I think Sarah and I, for our favorite thing was going down south to Chalutza. Mm. And Rabbi Baum told me this actually. He said that he, he went around the Kehillah and said, anybody ever heard of Chalutza? <laughs> and very few people did. So Chalutza is basically the southwesternmost part of Israel where you're on the border of the Gaza Strip on one side and below you is Egypt. And it's basically a lot of sand. A lot of sand. And there are three communities that are being built there by the JNF. And people are moving there, and they're, you know, Ben-Gurion stream to settle the south, and people are doing it. And we got to see real modern-day pioneers who are going down literally into the middle of nowhere. And then you hear noises outside, 
And we're like, well, what's, what's that bang? And they're like, ah, it's nothing. It's just ISIS. Just ISIS. Just ISIS fighting with Egypt on the border. No problem. And like, where's that? Well, you see, if you look right about 50 meters away, that's the border to Egypt. So they provided exciting sound effects, huh? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and uh, also warming, because it was very warm down there. Yeah, I can imagine. And, but see, we met this family that they've been waiting five years to build their home down there. And the happiest, most beautiful family and kids running around. And they know, like, they have this park they built. They can't go until after 4 p.m. because it's too hot. Mm-hmm. But they're building a medical center down there, a community center, and you're looking and saying, wow, this is really absolutely amazing. And the interesting story, and actually I heard this from Russell Robinson as well when we, when we met with him. CEO of JNF. Yes, and he said that, uh, I think it was during the Prime Minister Ehud Barak's time when they were trying to make a deal with Arafat, and they offered this land as part of contiguous with Gaza, and he refused. He thought it was a trick. And he said, nothing can grow there. It's a place of death. And now you see greenhouses and greenhouses. There's an esrog farm that's right outside of Chalutza that they grow the most beautiful estrogum. They grow these miniature pineapples, which are very popular in Europe because apparently in the grocery stores in Europe they can't have large fruits. So they have these small pineapples, which are very, very popular. It's one of the major exports from Chalutza. Interesting. And all these things that we learn. And, and when they got there, it was 24 feet of sand. There's a, there's a community there called B'nai Nitzarim, which is the remnants of Nitzarim, which was in Gush Katif. And then they decided after a couple of years, you know, we can't live like this, we have to build. And they built and they rebuilt and they built this beautiful, beautiful community. They have yeshiva there. We heard from the Rosh Yeshiva of the Mechina, uh, Rabbi Adler, and he gave us a shir. It was just absolutely inspiring. And to see, you know, we're so used to the Katamon and mm. Jerusalem Rechavia, and there's a whole part of the country, which we learned, that is wide open and uh, people need to go there. And, and the truth is that's duplicated in many other places. There are many, many parts of the country that absolutely, are absolutely. unknown to us and that uh, we discover each time we go. Rabbi and Mrs. Klibanoff in studio here. Mrs. Klibanoff, anything you want to add to this uh, to this conversation about... Yeah, sure, that's on. Um, I just uh, want to repeat what my husband said about Chalutza, that I, I couldn't believe how beautiful and positive um, it was to be, to, be, to be going to this area. Meaning, so much of what we hear about Israel is so challenging and so stressful and so um, I, I don't, it was highlighted in this incredibly beautiful way and when my husband mentioned Rabbi Adler the year before the disengagement he told us that he was giving a shear in his yeshiva which apparently was a very high level yeshiva and a terrorist came in and killed five of his students in front of him and a year later they were taken away from their homes you know they were taken out of um, Gaza and they watched their shul and their school and their homes be bulldozed and they moved into this hotel and he was like we were 20 families and we're sitting there and he said I was just depressed and I didn't know you know how to continue what to do I didn't have a job I didn't have a place to live I didn't have anything and he said enough already and we had a pickup and he moved with these 20 families to this area of Chalutza and from there, they built, he said, it's one of the highest level yeshivas now. There are boys from everywhere that come down to learn there. Yeah. And just to see the regrowth and the, um, the way they're excelling, they're not just living, they're thriving. It was so powerful to me because I feel like sometimes you go through life and you just think like, okay, you know, I go to my job in the city and I do this and I do that. And these people are making a tremendous difference. And I feel like here in America, we have the ability 
to really support and help the modern day Chalutzim. I mean, these are areas of Israel, like you mentioned, that are completely wide open, mm-hmm. and they're they're moving there and they're settling the land. They're not asking me to move there and settle the land or my kids and be an hour from the nearest you know medical center and drive back and forth to Beersheba and blah blah blah. They're living the dream. It's it's. Uh, it's very, very um, uplifting. We came back totally recharged from this trip. Rabbi and Mrs. Klibanoff here, Congregation Aids Chaim in Livingston, talking about the JNF rabbinic trip that just took place recently. We uh, we we um, rendezvoused with the Klibanoffs in Israel during our July uh, journey there. Um, is there before I go to the bigger issue, um, which uh, will give me an opportunity to put you on the spot? Uh, is there any other aspect of the trip you'd like to mention? Any other parts that were so spectacular and 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 likely unknown or unexplored by the majority of this audience? Well, how much time do we have? <laughs> <laughs> well, you could do one or two. I uh, one that I would highlight is something called special and uniform. Mm, we've spoken so about this. This so this they, is insane. We we go to this. Air Force Base, and in typical Israeli fashion, you know, they tell you a day, an hour before, well, we're not sure we can get on the base. You can always get on the base. That's, that's, <laughs> People should know that, huh? Yeah, right, right. I mean, I wouldn't suggest just walking up to the base. We right. went to an Air Force Base, and we meet this fellow named Tiran. Tiran is about 6'4", muscular, movie star, good looks, and he tells us his whole story of how when he was injured and based on that and through friends etc he started this unit called special uniform where they take special needs young men and women who very much want to belong and feel that they're serving their country and they developed a special unit for these young men and women and he showed us the unit and the work that they do and he's you know this big tough guy who you would think you know nobody would mess with him and he's he's fixing the collar of one of the boys and he's saying like come here Motek and tell us what you do and it was the most in- unbelievable thing because what other nation would say that we want to include every single member of our community regardless of their abilities or disabilities and we want you to feel like you're serving and they really are and they wear a uniform and there's this new unit that's been incorporated with them uh, which deals with autistic Oh, wow. And they actually are in the intelligence units because they have the ability to sit in front of computer screens for hours and hours a day and look at security footage, and they can detect these things. Unbelievable. And we walked away and said, wow, wow. You know, we love the Israeli army. We love Tzahal. We love it that much more. And we know, and a lot of people may not be uh, familiar with this, especially the younger people here who haven't been to Israel, but uh, it's a rite of passage going to the army and taken very seriously by all the men and women in 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 those types of communities in Israel, and uh, they feel isolated enough as it is throughout their young lives. Here's an opportunity for them to really be incorporated into what is the most prestigious part of Israeli life, and it's amazing how they do it. And uh, JNF has partnered with the program to you know give it as much support as possible, which is pretty amazing. And I think it's either been duplicated or it has been at least observed by other countries who can't believe <laughs> that this actually happens. As as many of their programs have been right. duplicated, you know, especially when it comes to the water, as you know, right. we've spoken many times on the yeah. air about that. So. It's 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 truly inspiring. All right, so now the bigger issue for me is uh, is uh, why do you, why is it at least this is the impression you could tell me I'm wrong. Uh, I mean, rabbis travel to Israel all the time, but it seems that there's sometimes a uh, a lack of a message when they return from Israel to their congregation. Why is there not more of a of an effort among our American rabbinate to connect people themselves, not just the rabbis, but themselves to the state of Israel? Uh, first of all, 
not every rabbi gets to go so much. I mean, the the rabbis on our trip, some of them been on the uh, younger side. I guess maybe when you get more experienced in your in your pulpit and you have right. more freedom to, to more go travel. back and forth. So that that's a. Uh, B. I can't speak for what other rabbis tell their congregations. I don't sit in their shuls. I mean, I work on Saturdays, so <laughs> I. I uh, but if you would ask our congregation, they might say, "Okay, enough, Rabbi. We get it. I know. When are you going to Israel this week? Like, Rabbi, why are you here this week? Kind of thing." But, but you um, use the opportunity to encourage them to go as absolutely, well. Absolutely, absolutely. At at ad nauseum, I would say. I say to people, I don't care. Just just commit. Just go. I don't care if you go just to go eat in restaurants. I said, but just go to Israel. You have to go and say to the people there, we're here from America. We're going to Israel. We love you. We support you. Regardless, nothing to do with religion, nothing to do with politics. Just that we have the ability that you can book a ticket and end up in Israel without even speaking to a person. Right. You, book it on, you can book it on your phone and just go. And if groups from your synagogue decide to actually move there, you have no problem with that? I have no problem. We, ha- we had an interesting conversation with Rabbi Fass of Nefesh Benefesh. Who is also who partners a with partner JNF, JNF. Right. correct, 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 and and he challenged. He, he was he was. I'm sure he was relatively outspoken on this issue. <laughs> yes, and he <laughs> kind of beat us up a little bit, and uh, and I said, I, w- one point that I said is, I, well, if someone in my shul makes aliyah, make a party, I would love it. It's fantastic, which is sort of mixed emotions because you know we're losing some of our base, but we're not losing. We're just sort of moving to to, to a better place, kind of thing. Right. And I said, but for rabbis, aliyah is largely. Impossible, because they need rabbis in Israel like they need rocks, and it's, yeah, not, I understand it's that. not open for us. So it, maybe it's harder. So he asked us, "Is is it on your agenda to promote Aliyah?" Right. I think that's more of his focus. And so that was he's he, more worried about your congregants than you. Correct. 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 But but if we're the gateway, and we don't have that feeling, I, that, that was one of the mm. expressions felt. Um, but he 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 hit us pretty hard about you know how hard are we pushing for Aliyah. And he said, look, if it's not on your agenda, it's not on your agenda, but let's just be honest about it. Right. And um, I think that we have really, certainly in northern New Jersey, which is a great mm-hmm. Aliyah feeder. It's an Aliyah hub. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, and maybe, maybe they've hit a wall of sorts. Because about as many right now that are going mm. are going. Okay. And then we'll see what happens going further. But I, I don't know that so many people are making Aliyah because the rabbis are telling them to. It certainly would encourage them if they're thinking about it and the rabbis say, you know, I think it's a great idea. But I don't know, I mean, I could be wrong, but I don't know anybody that's saying, well, my rabbi said make Aliyah. I mean, if that was the case, then everything we say they'd follow, right? (laughs) (laughs) Arguably. (laughs) (laughs) One would think. (laughs) Possibly. Uh, Rabbi and Mrs. Klibanoff are here, Congregation Eitz Chaim in uh, Livingston, New Jersey, and they were just part of this rabbinic journey to Israel with the Jewish National Fund. And... um, uh, I mean, what what is there to say? I, I have been privileged to um, describe to this audience the work that's being done there. You mentioned a couple of projects this morning. It goes so far and so way beyond anything that we could possibly get to in one conversation. Um, it's just, they're doing great work, and it's north, south, and everywhere else in Israel. Right. And anyone who goes to visit Israel should know that every Wednesday the JNF runs a tour. And if you get the JNF newsletter, there's a 10% coupon. How do you like that? I see that. And usually just contact the JNF and say, you know, we're interested and we want to go. It's something out of the ordinary if you're going to be there for, for Sukkot. If you're going to be there at any time, contact their offices in Jerusalem, and they'd be happy to set it up for you and take you to these places that you've never dreamed of, a one-day tour, and that's, that's where it starts. People can learn and they'll see for themselves. It, the, the work speaks for itself. I have to say that I've done a number of rabbinic missions, and the one thing that I found, two things actually, that were most inspiring and successful – Number one is that every single day of the four days, there was a different person leading the mission. Mm. 
Interesting. And the partnerships that they have, each partnership is willing and able and very much capable of talking about the other partnership. So if let's say we're, we're going to special uniform and somebody says, you know, I'm really interested in pioneering or water, they say, well, you know what, you should really look at our other partnership because they do a fantastic job with that. So we had the passion and the excitement each of every day of a leader that gave us over everything that we were seeing. The second thing is that we learned that so many of these partnerships and these projects started because of the dream of one person. Mm. Mm-hmm. And one person saw a need, and one person saw a void, and one person said, we're going to do something about it, and look, what we have now, we have this partnership with the JNF, this massive uh, benevolent association, whatever you want to call it, but this ability to make something happen from one person's need. So nobody should ever think that, oh, well, I'm just one person, what can I do? One person can accomplish so yeah, much. Yeah, and as I think about some of the things we've already discussed this morning, I think most of those were <laughs> were undertaken by one person who had a, a vision, a dream, a, a social entrepreneurial uh, uh, agenda that uh, they were able to fulfill, which is pretty amazing. Um, I greatly appreciate you coming in. The uh, the um, the possibility of increasing this audience's awareness of what's going on in Israel uh, always excites me, and uh, a tip of the hat to JNF because they, as you said, they are. It's not just that they're in so many other, so many different places in Israel doing so many incredible things, but in addition to that, they know who to partner with. They know what they are good at and what they're not good at, and if there's something that they, uh, you know, that they see is being done at a level that they would never be able to approach, they go ahead and support the program as best as they can. So a tip of the hat to them. Well, they have a partnership with this network, so they're obviously very smart. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Rabbi and Mrs. Klibanoff, Livingston, New Jersey. Send our best to everybody in Livingston, please. I will, I will. And we have to wish a special Mazel Tov this morning. i got a call at 5 o'clock this morning. Yeah. Baby boy born to Aliza and Jeremy Shaw. There you go. And grandparents, Simon Ben Shaw and new president of our shul, uh, Mindy and Alan Shaw. So uh, welcome to the world. Amazing. I'll tell you. You come here and you're just filled with great news. And thank God we're able to share it with everybody. Uh, thank you both for being here this morning. It's much appreciated. Thank you. Thank you, thank you for everything you do for Claudius Rome. That was my conversation with Rabbi and Mrs. Sam Klibanoff of Livingston, New Jersey, after their JNF uh, mission to Israel. Uh, that does it for this week's edition of JM Rewind. My name is Nachum Siegel. We will close out the hour with some music from uh, Simcha Liner. And I thank all of you for tuning in to the Nachum Siegel Network.
Shimcha, 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 Shimc